0: It's your Daily Dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, December 5th. What a Tuesday. It's already, you know, I'm a little overwhelmed. I told you guys yesterday, I have a big week ahead. Whoa. I have a big week ahead. Lots lots to do. Today, I'm heading over to Dancing with the Stars. Finale night, whose team are you on? Remember, this is who we're left with, okay? We've got Allison Hannigan. Is that her name, Hannigan? All of a sudden, I was like, it sounds like I'm saying Mrs. Hannigan. Listen, Hannigan. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we've got Allison. We've got Jason Mraz. We have Charity from The Bachelorette. We have Soshi, the Marvel actress. And then finally, we have Ariana Maddox from Vanderpump Rules. You guys know I'm on Ariana's team. Not just because, you know, Scandaval really uh, took all my... <laughs> attention earlier this year, but because I just think her story is just beautiful, like going from where she started the year to where she is now. And she's an amazing dancer when you watch her on the stage. I don't think, I think so she's had some like formal dance training. I could be wrong, but I really hope she wins if she doesn't win. Also, I know that her partner Pasha He's not ever gotten a mirror ball. So I just think it would be a really nice story. But it's a three-hour-long finale, apparently. I'm going alone. Lance, of course, is working. But I'm going to go and I'm going to document it all for you guys. So make sure to follow along on Instagram stories and join the Facebook group, Daily Dose of Donna, because that's where I post most of my stuff. And then tomorrow I'll be back to um, talk about it. And I'm excited to talk about it. And then, of course, tomorrow... I am interviewing. I don't know when the ep, maybe I'll air it on Thursday. I'm interviewing the showrunner Michael Beth, the executive producer, showrunner from Hollywood House Houselift. That's Jeff Lewis's second season of his interior design show where he redoes um celebrity homes. So I know this season we've got Josh Duhamel, such a handsome. Gina Rodriguez, um of course Anthony Anderson is back, Christina Ricci, Kate Bosworth. I can't remember off the top of my head who else, but I watched the first couple of episodes yesterday and they're so good. And then I just saw that the two, the first two episodes are released on Amazon Freebie right now. So if you guys want to go and check that out, that's there for you. And I'm pretty sure Amazon Freebie is free TV. Of course, you're going to get commercials, but it's worth it. It's good TV. What's funny about it, for those of you that are Jeff Lewis Live listeners, um, I don't know the month that they started shooting this. I imagine it was probably, you know, six, eight months ago. But- the first scene, the opening scene of episode one is at a rooftop bar. And I don't know which one specifically, but it's Shane and it's, um, Tyler, who's another one of the associates and Andrew, who's another one of the design people and Megan Weaver. And then of course, Jeff, and there's something kind of fun about just seeing the dynamics play out when you've been listening to the show, because Jeff talks so much about his personal life on the show. So, you know, going home with him and meeting Toby the dog and um, hearing about him buying his new house over in Hancock Park and seeing the house and seeing him go through the construction. And Vanina, do you guys remember her? She's still there as the design associate. I just love it. I'm really into it. Gina Rodriguez in that episode one. Wow a sexual human being, that one. She's from Jane the Virgin. I don't know if you guys remember that show. Anyway, it's a really fun watch. It's good TV. Make sure to check that out. And tomorrow I have, um, like I said, I'm going to be interviewing Michael Beck. And then I'm going over to the premiere party tomorrow night where a few of you guys are going to be. Well, I know um, I've gotten some DMs of who's going to be there. And I know I'm going to chat with, uh, of course, Monica Casey's going to be there. I know Justin Martindale will be there. Of course, Megan, I'm sure Doug, Shane. Um, all of them. I imagine all the chumps are going to be there. So that will be really fun. I'm excited. And Lance is coming with me. I got a plus one. So Lance and I are hitting the town on a Wednesday. And you guys will hear all about that on Patreon and a little bit here, of course, on Thursday. I'm going to release my Patreon on Thursday just because of the week. And it's also Hanukkah this week. Hanukkah starts on Thursday night. So going to my mom's on Thursday night to celebrate the first of eight nights of Hanukkah. You guys know I'm Jewish. I'm very proud to be Jewish. And um, and so I'll take you along for that ride for those of you that are interested. All right, before I get into the stories of today, I do need to mention today's sponsor for Daily Dose of Donna, that's Kitsch. If you guys are interested in game-changing, time-saving beauty essentials for your hair, for your skin, and for your body, I think you guys need to hear about this because I've got a discount code for you. If you're ready to change your beauty game, maybe, uh, you know, you've seen kitchen satin pillowcases, caps, eye masks. They're great for your hair and your skin while you sleep, or they're heatless satin curling rollers. So I've seen those and I'm dying to try them, but I don't know if my hair can take it because I've got such blonde hair. I mean, blonde. <laughs> that was a blonde moment. I've got such thin, like straight hair that I don't know, but I should try those rollers. I just don't know if I'll sleep well in it. I'm going to try them though. You know, my favorite, I've got so many of the scrunchies. I love the scrunchies. I love the eye masks and I love the, um, the time-saving towel that I talked about yesterday. There's so much. There's rice water shampoo bars, which can over- improve your overall hair growth and density. A lot of people say they'll never use bottle shampoo again and their hair feels and looks a thousand percent better between washes. So definitely check out Kitch. But right now, if you use my code, you can get 30% off your entire order at mykitch.com slash Donna. That's right. 30% off anything and everything at mykitch. That's K-I-T-S-C-H dot com slash Donna. Donna. That's D-A-N-A. So we're also doing a spelling game today. <laughs> One more time, mykitch.com slash Donna for 30% off your order. The links will be below. I see that you guys in the comments are buying all kinds of things. Very, very excited. Kitch is a great stocking stuffer, by the way. Like, And I'm saying this even before they sponsored my show. I was a purchaser of Kitch. You know, like a purchaser, a consumer. I was a consumer. You know who else is a huge consumer? Paris Hilton. So yesterday, I finished Paris and Love Season 2. I, I just released what I can only consider a TED Talk on um, TikTok. A TED Talk on TikTok. TT, TT. Uh, maybe I'll release it as a post on Instagram, but it's like almost 10 minutes while I'm making my salad this morning talking about Paris and Love Season 2. I touched on a lot of it yesterday. You guys seem to agree with a lot of points about specifically about Kathy Hilton and her lack of being just emotionally connected um, her inability to feel maybe empathy or sympathy towards others. Maybe she is, um, she's a sweep it under the rug type of person. She's probably a blast to hang out with, but as a mother, I don't know. You guys tended to, a lot of you guys got really, um, upset with hearing how she said that she did not bond in the show. She says, I did not bond. I'm not as bonded with Phoenix, that's Paris Hilton's baby. And I think he was like five months, around five, six months at this time, as much as I've bonded with Nikki's kids. Now Nikki has three kids. I don't know their ages. Nikki also lives in New York. Well, so why? A lot of you guys are really, um, you know, shocked by that statement, but I'm going to give Kathy a benefit of the doubt here. I think there is something to be said about the anticipation of knowing a baby is coming to really bond with the baby. I think um, Kathy being shocked and surprised in episode two of her, you know, showing Phoenix, announcing Phoenix for the first time to Kathy, she didn't even know that Paris's surrogate was pregnant. That is a shock. Of course, it's a, an amazing, wonderful surprise. But being that, Paris doesn't, from what we're seeing, doesn't really take the baby out of the house, right? In these first few months, we've seen that Paris kind of works all day, every day, travels all the time. And the baby, from what we're seeing on the show, essentially lives in his room. Now, I'm sure that's not the case, but what we're seeing is the baby in the room, right? He just like hangs with Gina, the nanny, and that's it. And so of course we've seen, I think the entirety of this first six months of his life on the show, we've seen him out of his room like three or four times, right? We saw, um, a swim lesson this last episode with Kathy, which was, I have some thoughts. Um, we see, uh, a photo shoot, a few photo shoots. Maybe we see him like coming to the rehearsals for a second of the concert And then we see one music class, which was really cute. Like an an inside your house, you know, bring someone to do baby music with some of the cousins. I thought that was actually really sweet. Um, But Paris doesn't seem very bonded with Phoenix from what we've seen. And you guys, please don't, you know, get mad at me for saying this as a judgment. It's just what I am feeling. I think she almost is more connect, like the way that she connects with her dogs almost feels similar. And I worry about that for that little baby, right? Because when you have someone that fully takes care of your child, it's kind of hard, you know, to, to bond with them. I'll just give you guys a personal experience. So I had Dylan in 2012 and i did not have an nanny i didn't have any help for those first few months until i went back to work so i was the one that was up all night long i was the one that was doing the majority of the feedings lance went back to work right away and because of that i really really connected really strong with him i'm not saying that this is like an all or nothing cuz a lot of people have help and connect really strong and you know whatever i'm just saying in my experience but with oliver my second he was um, he was born when Dylan was two and a half years old. I was so freaking busy. You guys, when I was pregnant with Dylan, I mean, pregnant with Oliver, I was so pregnant and Dylan was just starting preschool and I was casting a huge pilot. Um, so I was working like crazy on the Fox lot. And I had like crazy, horrible hours and I had a nanny that was helping me and I found out she was stealing from me. She was taking cash out of my wallet and I found this out. And so I eventually had to let her go. But that means that I was home alone with Dylan and pregnant and working and Lance was out of town. I remember he was in Chicago for like a month on a shoot. So it was a crazy, crazy time. And that means because I knew I was going to go right back to work and I had Dylan, I allowed myself to get a nanny even before Oliver was born to help me with Dylan and Oliver. And when I had Oliver as a baby, I'll never forget this nanny just swooped right in. That's what they do, right? You're hiring them to help you. And I was so tired and I was so overwhelmed and I was so like stressed with work and with Dylan and, you know, all the things. I was still dealing with a toddler that I ended up like assuming, kind of giving my nanny Permission to raise my child. It wasn't her fault. It was my fault. Like, I couldn't be bothered with the challenges of those early days. I breastfed. So, of course, I was there and I I did all the night feedings. But during the day, like, you almost, it's weird. It's like you almost give them that authority in a lot of cases. And I found myself like, rather cook and I'd rather like do the errands and cook and clean then like tend to the baby. This is like a really vulnerable moment right here. But the truth is that like, because of that, and I think it really is because of that, I struggled to bond with Oliver and it took me a while. I am obsessed with that child now for years and years and years. So I'm not worried about that. I want to eat him since he's, you know, I look back at pictures, I want to die. I love Oliver so much. So a lot of people are like, that's so mean that you would put it out there. I've told him straight to his face. My mom told me she wished I was a boy. I don't think that's bad. But anyway, the point is it's, it's really tough to parent your child, bond with your child when you're not really hands on with your child and that's by by choice and also by um like circumstance right so um i don't look back at those days and 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 like miss them it was a tough time i remember really struggling it was not an easy time so i feel for paris and it doesn't help probably that she also didn't carry that baby that baby didn't come out of her own body i also found it a little weird this is really judgy probably Tell me if I'm being horrible, you guys. I found it weird that she did not want to be in the delivery room. And that she, you know, didn't want to, she was happy she wasn't there for the circumcision. I have a feeling Paris is not the mom that wants to be around when he's getting the shots either. Like she doesn't want to see her baby struggle. And I get it like who does when when my kids were circumcised I didn't want to like stand and watch it but I was in the room you know with my eyes closed but I was holding his like I was there um I just think it's interesting don't you guys I wonder you know she says in the last episode this last episode of season 2 she's having this therapy session with her um with her therapist and it's with Kathy and she's basically saying I have to you know um we have to break the cycle of the way that we were raised and the parenting. And like we have to break the cycle for the next generation. So Paris is like like, cognizant of it. She knows that she has to do it, but it's so strange because she almost like isn't doing it. Now we're watching a TV show. So I want to pretend that it's not actually this case. And I do believe that a lot of times as kids get older, you can bond with them more. I know a lot of kids are not A lot of people struggle with the newborn and baby stage. I did. I mean, it really was like six months when I loved being a mom, right? Like those first few months are tough, 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 tough. So the point is, I find it all fascinating. I want to watch Paris and Love season three. I want to watch a show just on Kathy Hilton. I want there to be a GoPro on Kathy Hilton. I want to see the way she talks to her staff. I want to see the way she is with her sisters now. I want to see the way she is with Rick. She has a, like, that is a, Rick Hilton to me is like so, like so confusing to me. It's almost like he's not, like he doesn't have a personality. He's just walking around like dazed and smiley and he's so wealthy and he's like the money maker in that family. I mean, they come from money, let's be honest, but he's done very well, right? Kathy's very um, loving of Rick. You can tell she's constantly talking about dad, constantly talking about dad. She calls him dad too, like the kids. Um, I want to just like watch Kathy. You know she's up until 4 or 5 a.m. drinking Red Bulls and Diet Cokes. Remember we saw that on Beverly Hills. I want to see like, you know, her relationships with her friends. Like the friends that she's had for 20, 30 years. I want to hear what her and Faye Resnick are talking about on the weekends. Meanwhile, um, you know, uh, Paris Hilton does this concert. Because of course, when you have a newborn baby, you decide to do a concert and she performs and there's like celebrities in the audience, like Paula Abdul's there and Evan, um, Diana Ross's son, Evan Ross and Ashley Simpson and Elle Fanning and like kind of a smattering of people. And Paris performs, which is so interesting because Paris is kind of like not a personable person as a sociological study. Paris does not have a strong personality as a person. I'm going to be really like, I'm going to be pretty confident, confident in saying that talking to like, even in her interviews and just seeing her conversations with people in a one-on-one, like she does lack charisma. She lacks personality. But when she got on that stage, she's like, hey, that's hot. You know, like loves it. She's such a performer that it's almost like it's unbelievable to watch. She, she comes alive when people are watching. And it's also with that baby voice, which I can't stand. And it's really, really weird how she jumps in and out of it all the time. But the concert itself looked Fun. It looked great. She is such like an icon when you watch her doing those performances. And Kathy comes to the show, and it's almost like Kathy's so into Paris and the concert because she knows other people are there watching. And when she's alone with Paris, I don't feel that same kind of adoration. Um, Rick was there, of course, just looking dazed and confused, in my opinion. Kim, Kim Richards is like outside, paparazzi are shooting her. Kim is doing something with her hair. Now, I think this concert was like. I want to say this was maybe around April or something. Kyle wasn't there because Kyle and Kathy, I don't believe we talking. This was on hiatus between Beverly Hills last season and this season. But Kim is doing something with her hair, which I, Kim Richards, if you're watching the show, please listen to me. Okay. Please listen to me. We need to do something with your hair. She, she's she been wearing it back with like headbands and it's not like professionally, you know, pulled back. It's not like a stunning like updo or like high pony. It's like it's like she went upside down and like threw her hair into like a pony and just like threw it up. And there's something to be said about a woman of a certain age wearing just like a high pony with a headband. Is that maybe it's the color of the hair too? I don't know. I I want I want her hair like more blow dried in the front of her hair. I want her to have a little style, and she's so frenetic. Like watching her on this on the red carpet with, um, for the Paris and Love or sorry, the Christmas at Kathy's last week. Someone <laughs> commented that she reminded them of Mother God, if you know what I mean. Like she, when she was standing outside of the concert and she's like pulling her purse everywhere. It's. She's just an interesting human being, you guys, Kim. I need the Kathy, Kim, and Kyle, the true. You can't call it KKK, but I need the 3K sisters, the Hilton. Si- what would you call it? Because they're not Hilton's, like the Richards Hilton's. I need to know. I want to know those three. I want to watch them all day from morning until night. So interesting. So interesting. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Oh, my God. Beth said something that in one scene, Ah, oh, this is so interesting. So one scene where Kathy, the day that they throw, Paris throws Kathy a big um, surprise birthday. But it's not a surprise because Kathy knows all about it at her house because all Paris wants to do is impress her mom and, like, please her mom because she's scared of her mom. But also it's, like, a losing battle. It's such an interesting dynamic. So she's throwing this, this brunch, this birthday brunch as Paris and Nikki are giving the speech about how much they love their mom. Cause it's so much love. She's like putting on lip gloss, blotting her face. It's unreal. Um, later that day, cause Kim clearly either wasn't invited to the party or didn't want to go to the party. She shows up at Paris's house to meet baby Phoenix and she's wearing a black baseball cap and like, you know, just like casual clothes. She definitely wasn't at the party. And Paris, someone like Kathy, no, Kim said, um, oh, my hat, it's like my hat's in the way. I had to wear it because your mom didn't like my hair. That is so like, I can see that, right? I can see Kathy being like, you have horrible hair. You have to fix that. But it's also like not the worst idea to fix that. Just saying just saying. All right. The first K's. you guys are saying K3, K to the third power. You guys, we cannot do three Ks in any way. It's just not a good look. The first K's, the original K's, or it's got to be something like Beverly Hills sisters, the sisters of Beverly Hills. That's what it should be. The real sisters of Beverly Hills. I think, I think that it's, it's good stuff. I think it's good stuff. Special case. Okay. Let's, um, you guys, let's move on. I listened to Amy and TJ's podcast. Did you? So on about a year ago, actually, exactly a year ago, on December 5th, 2022, Amy Robach and TJ, now I can't remember his name. What's his last name? Amy Robach and TJ Holmes. Amy Robach and TJ Holmes, former Good Morning America, um, or I guess it was GMA3 is what they were hosts of, they were officially let go exactly a year ago. And so this year, on December 5th, just by happenstance, I'm sure not, they released their first episode of their podcast called Amy and TJ. Here's kind of like the basic of what was revealed, and then some of my thoughts. And I'm curious about you guys. So all we know is this: Amy was married to Andrew Shue. Andrew Shue was on Melrose Place. If you guys were like me and you grew up watching Nine Hundred and Twenty One followed by Melrose Place every single Wednesday night, it was must see TV, big time, right? It was on at eight and nine p.m. Andrew Shue played Billy. On Melrose Place. And um, I remember them getting married a few years ago, probably like 15 years ago or something. I don't know exactly. And he was also married, Marilee Feibig. Feibig? Oh, my God. Guys, guys. Guys, did you know that Amy's ex... Andrew Hsu and TJ's ex, Marilyn, are dating now? According to page six, Amy's ex and TJ Holmes' ex are now together because of their trauma bond over this this new relationship that came out a year ago, and they've been together for six months. Is this common knowledge? I have not seen that until this moment. That is shocking. Someone give them a reality show. Wow! That literally is it just was released on page 6. Just now. Literally at 11:24 a.m. Pacific time and it's 11:41. It says this is the happy ending we didn't see com- coming. The ex-spouses of scandalous news couple TJ Holmes and Amy Robach have gotten closer. Merrily Phi Beg and Andrew Shu are dating, according to multiple sources. We're, tro- we're told the couple have been dating for about six months after bonding over the traumatic experience of being cheated on. It turned into something else and they're connected over their values. It's bigger than the affair now. We're told the hurt is over and the duo has moved on. They're not heart- heartbroken and sad, and no one has officially commented. Okay. This is actually. I kind of like this. You guys, I have to say, I kind of like this. I've talked about this so many times with different people about how, when you are, it's kind of like Christine and Janelle, how they've become even closer since they've both ended things with, um, what's his name? Kotex, Cody Brown. So You know how with Jeff Lewis, he has two exes, Gage and Scott, who are now dating? And with my dad, when my dad and my mom divorced, my dad started dating another woman, Judy. And she and my mom hated each other so much. But when Judy and my dad broke up, my mom and Judy became best friends. Same with my dad's second wife. My dad's second wife and my mom didn't like each other. And then when my dad divorced... His second wife, my mom became good friends with her. I think this happens a lot. Obviously, sometimes it's with like romantic relationships and sometimes it's just platonic, but I think there is like a trauma bond over a certain maybe mutual hate for someone else. But the story basically is this. Amy and TJ were outed as being in a relationship while they were still co-hosts on GMA3 a year ago on November 30th. She, she explains the story on the podcast today. We're hearing from them for the first time, basically of how it went down. He was on the air in New York doing the show. She was in Washington doing a a speech. This news comes out and people lose their minds, but this is how they describe it. They both are very, very confidently speaking that they were both separated and, or on the process in the process of divorcing for both of them. Both of them were saying that they were living separately with their spouses at the time when all of this came out. Amy's husband at the time, Andrew, had already moved out and she was moving into a new apartment. And TJ had already moved out and was living in a new apartment. But they had never openly spoken about their divorce to their bosses or to the world. And so people that weren't in their very, very inner circle had no idea. And so that's why it felt like this crazy, scandalous affair that came out after they had, you know, whatever. Here's what I think. So they had been working together at this point for 10 years. They were friends. They were very close friends. In fact, they say that a lot of people kind of talked to them like they were brother and sister. They were there for each other. They supported each other. Apparently TJ had gone through some really dark times. I'm assuming maybe some substances or depression or whatever. And Amy really helped him out of it. She started helping him with her marathon training and he used to train marathons with her. They started to spend a lot of time together as friends, right? I'm doing my quotation mark here. Here's my thought. And then they're saying that they separated from their spouses, their respective spouses and then it developed into more. I'm going to say this. I think it's probably a lie. It's probably a fabrication of the truth that they had absolutely no you know connection or intimacy until way after they both decided to end their relationships. I think at best, it was just an emotional affair. And at worst, it was a full-on physical and emotional affair. Um, the reason why is because it's too suspect when you hear that people are ending their relationships, their mutual relationships, and then happen to just get right together when they had a relationship, even if it was just a friendship relationship prior to separating. So like off the top of my head, I'm thinking of Sophia Bush. Sophia Bush and her husband just shocked the world by getting divorced after like 19 months in marriage or something like that, like something really, really short. And then, meanwhile, she started dating the soccer player whose name escapes me at this moment. I want to say it's like Ashley something but I don't want to say it wrong, who also happened to end her relationship right before there's pictures of Sophia Bush and this soccer player hanging out a lot, you know, as friends traveling this and that, and then all of a sudden, they both break up with their exes and they're now together, or they're they both break up with their spices, spouses, and they're not now together so I'm going to say this, if TJ and Amy are in love and things are great, which it really does sound like they are, I don't necessarily think all of this is so bad because I don't think couples should ever be together if they totally are not right for each other. I've heard from multiple sources in the industry that Andrew and Amy were not a very like perfect couple from the beginning. There was a lot of issues. I'm going to guess, this is always just kind of my thought, that Amy's career was flying, right? She was doing really, really well. She was on a daily program. She was like killing it. And Andrew, I don't think his career was doing incredible. I don't think he was acting all that much or doing much. Maybe that was part of it. Who knows? Who knows? But the point is, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they were probably not in the happiest relationships. And then when you find someone that kind of does tickle your fancy, <clears throat> Morgan Wade, that is the moment where you start to decide, hey, this is not really what I want to be in. Like I would have stuck with it forever until you find the greener grass on the other side of the street. Does that make sense? I think that – Um. A lot of people stay in relationships unhappily, I'm assuming. Well, not assuming. We know this. Like, look at Kyla Mauricio, and this is just all hearsay, right? That Mauricio has had all these, you know, affairs through the years. If that's the case and he's had all these affairs through the years... Kyle has known. There's no way, absolutely no way that Kyle is under a rock. It's been brought up on the show multiple times. There's been articles. There's been claims. Women have come out. I know for sure she's seen him be touchy-feely at parties and this and that. We've seen it on the show. I've heard about it in person. Uh, She wasn't leaving. What made her leave? Probably finding someone that she felt stronger feelings towards. So, think sometimes those are the reasons that you finally decide to take that scary leap and jump out of a relationship that being said a lot of you guys in my DMs when i said that i was listening to this podcast felt like it's not cool regardless and um you know they're lying and they should have just opened up and said, yes, we had feelings for each other. And then we decided to break up with our partners. Um, if it was only an emotional affair, they did break up. Like we have to remember that they didn't get outed and then broke up with their partners. They broke up with their partners. A lot of times I, because here's the thing. I do think we hold some people to standards that are almost impossible to uh, like attain. If you start falling for someone else and they start falling for you too, and you're both in, you know, current relationships, do you instantly, the second you start to have feelings for someone else, decide, I'm out of this marriage? No. I think for most people, you try to make it work, right? You try to pretend that the feelings aren't there, you push them away, you avoid them. You know, you hope it's going to be a passing fleeting thing and you stay with your, your partner if you're in a happy marriage and you try to work on it and you go to therapy and this and this and that, which by the way, we don't know if that's happened. We don't, we don't have details on how hard they tried to make their relationships work. We don't. What. And this is, like I said, in best case scenario, that this was what was happening. And then they realized these feelings aren't going away and we're not happy in our marriages. But most likely the fact that they were spending so much physical time together because they had to see each other five days a week. um, And then they were going out for drinks and practicing for the marathon and whatever. It's giving a lot of, you know, helping someone filming a documentary and traveling around town, following them on their, you know, tour if you know what I mean. It's like, let's find reasons to spend together because it's for marathon training. It's for work. It's for the business. So I don't know. Um, Michelle says, until you are married with children and have your spouse cheat on you, you won't understand. It's devastating. No, I understand. I mean, you're right. It hasn't, knock on what happened to me. I understand it is devastating. It's absolutely awful. And I'm not giving them a pass for it at all, at all. But do we know 100% that they were physical with each other before they divorced their their spouses? And if it's an emotional affair, do we know 100% that they didn't try to stop it? or move away from it, or, you know, and then they were just left with the reality that they had real strong feelings for each other. I don't know. It's a really tricky thing, you guys. It's tricky. I don't, I'm not condoning anyone's behavior here if you guys are thinking that, not at all. But I hear them on their show. It sounds to me like they're very, very, very in love. Um, It sounds to me like they went through some really dark times it does sound to me like they were unfairly let go from their positions. Um, I think that, oh, you guys, okay, I do forget this. Yes. Someone did say, Simona says, TJ did cheat before, so I think they were sleeping together before their divorces. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that. He... And they don't talk about any of this, of course, because this is their podcast. They're not going to talk about like all the bad things they've done. He did have some kind of sordid affairs, like some pretty bad things going on. And that was right before the story came out that they were suspended. I think technically they didn't do anything illegal by starting to date. They didn't break any policies or anything. But I think that it was a distraction. I think the fact that it came out that he had like hooked up with some of the producers and whatever. and you know, all of that. So emotional affairs. And I'm so curious in your, in your guys's, um, in the comments here, Uh, Michelle says emotional affairs are worse in so many ways. And I can imagine that to be true, but what do you do? Like, what do you do when you're someone like Amy who works with him? So for your work, for your job, you have no choice, but to see this person five days a week. What do you do? Is there some way in your body that you can turn off having feelings for someone? I don't really really know how like if that were the case. If they started having feelings for each other, what do you do? Can't avoid seeing them They're at your job. Like a lot of times you could say like I'm going to avoid going to that bar. I'm going to avoid going to that gym. I'm not going to go to that class. Like what do you do? And I also don't think divorce is the worst thing ever. I am so not anti-divorce because I've seen so many people stay in unhappy marriages. So I think that like if you are unhappy, you shouldn't stay together if you've worked on it and everything. I don't know. It's really, really, really tricky it's a tricky situation. So ABC of course eventually fired them. Michelle believes it's because the public doesn't enjoy watching them. I don't know if that's a universal thing. I think a lot of people probably are still fans of theirs, but they did have a lot of people that were very disgusted by their behavior and very anti. I'm curious if the podcast will give them a break, um give them a little bit more of an entrance to society. I I really do believe that they have um you know, they have a right just like everyone else to get a second chance. And I felt the same about Tom Sandoval. You know, I'm not someone that believes cheating is, um, I don't know, it's enough to end a relationship for sure, but is it enough to cancel you as a human being? I don't know. I'm not someone that thinks you, you should be canceled as a human being or like in your career for having. Feelings for someone else. That's just my thought. Maybe it's a little too, um, too, uh, what's it called? Like, lax, like, what's it called? Like, free or whatever. And I know it's very controversial. I really do. I really do. But I, I want to say there's like really worse things you could do out there. And having an affair is not to me like it's horrible for the people involved. But is it enough? to be canceled from society. I don't know. Okay. Let's move on. Clearly, it's a very uh, controversial topic from seeing what you guys are saying. So I'm going to end here talking about Dave Hollis because a lot of you guys were interested in this story. So Dave Hollis, I've talked about Dave Hollis and Rachel Hollis since the inception of Daily Dose of Donna. Dave and Rachel were self-help influencers who were married as a couple. If you want to know the whole Rachel Hollis deep dive, I have a three-part Patreon series on my Patreon. Go subscribe right now and you can listen to it. It is a three-part, like I said, really deep dive into her rise to where she became, no pun intended, rise if you know what I mean. Her kind of climax where she was like doing insane and then her cancellation and Um, you know, where she is now. And that included the divorce with Dave Hollis and, of course, his untimely and really unfortunate death on Valentine's Day or like February 12th of this year. Really, really crazy. Okay. So Dave Hollis died, um, from what we now know, from a from his autopsy of having alcohol and I believe cocaine and fentanyl in his system. He was definitely, he died of an accidental overdose is what the official, um, you know, report said. And this was shocking, shocking because not that we didn't know that Dave Hollis had had substance abuse issues. He definitely went to rehab earlier in the year and we knew that after his like big Instagram meltdown called patio of peace. I talk about it all the time on, um, you know, uh, I talk about it all the time on the Patreon. I talk so much about the Patio of Peace and his big meltdown over on Patreon. So I'm not going to get so much into that. But he definitely had alcoholism. We talked about that. He talked about that openly. He said that he, you know, drank a lot. And then he was stopping the drinking. And he was, at the last few months of his life, he was living, by all intents and purposes, a very, very positive, healthy lifestyle, right? He was balanced. He was working out. He was dating his, um, although they broke up right before he died, Heidi Powell who's also a fitness influencer. They were spending a lot of time together and online. He was like doing a lot of uh, podcast stuff. He was going to church. He was being a good dad. He was like, for, for everything that we saw, it looked like he had his life completely together and he had really managed to like get it together in a really great way. This article comes out on the Wall Street Journal um, Saturday morning someone sent it to me. I can't remember which one of you guys sent it to me. Thank you so much for whoever sent it. And it was such a a good deep dive, but it was written from this person, um, Eric Schwartzel. And it really paints an incredible, incredible, dark, dark version of, of, um, you know, Dave and, and his life. And it's, actually pretty depressing to see it. Um, So it talks about the fact that Dave Hollis had nothing but promise ahead of him when he was working at Disney. He was an executive at Disney. He had done incredible, you know, going up the ladder, basically. he He really, really like knew what he was doing. He was up like to, he was kind of, placing himself to be the next Bob Iger. And if you guys know who Bob Iger is, he was, he's the head of Disney. I mean, it was, it's a big deal, right? So he really was very, very, very successful. And the people that had worked with him at Disney thought for sure he is going to just a hundred percent end up there. Um, it says that he was, you know, he was the son of a contractor, a very Christian mom. He was the top of his class in high school. He, uh, you know, went to Pepperdine University. He became an assistant at Miramax. That was Harvey Weinstein's company. He then eventually started working for Disney, did so incredibly well. What did it specifically say? It said that he, um, you know, he was doing very, very good until he started to post a lot on Instagram. His wife, Rachel, was really, oh yeah, this is it says. It says, Um, how good, how well he was doing. He was the head of global distribution for Disney. He spent his days pitching release strategies to stars like Dwayne Johnson and booking blockbusters like Star Wars, The Force Awakens into theaters. Um, In the spring of 2018, he invited his childhood friend Sean for lunch on the studio lot. It says, Dave told Sean, I'm going to be, I could be Bob Iger in 10 years but he wasn't feeling very fulfilled. And when his wife, Rachel, started her career and she started becoming a self-help influencer and then she eventually wrote Girl, Wash Your Face in 2018, which became like a multi-month bestseller on New York Times, It, it propelled her to superstardom. She was speaking at every single event out there. And then Dave started to slowly build his Instagram account. He started to speak a lot on his Instagram account, giving his little kind of, uh, you know, motivational speeches. I think that really excited him. He started to get a lot of likes and comments and followers. His Instagram account grew real fast. And then he decided to quit Disney. He decided to join as the COO of the Hollis Co. They were going to turn it into a self-help empire. They left California. They sold their house for a couple million dollars in Glendale. And they moved to Dripping Springs, which is outside of Austin, into this gorgeous, huge home where the Patio of Peace was. this article starts to show that there were definitely some cracks, right? Um, he would talk about the fact that he would, you know, um, feel like like he wasn't really a hundred percent authentic, like he was telling everyone about how he was traveling with his four kids, always alone. And meanwhile, they had a nanny and he wasn't sharing that. Um, he was, they were talking about sexy September and how much they were having sex. Everything was all about like the posts and everything was all about, you know, the Instagram community and, um, And it says his Instagram account once dedicated to occasional pictures of the kids in pretty sunsets became a stream of branded narrative, often averaging more than one post a day for his audience that grew to more than 400,000. He started talking about his car as the Incredible Hulk. His four children became recurring characters. He had a little daughter, Noah, who he was doing uh, tea time with Noah. He started to write his own book, Get Out of Your Own Way. And then sure enough... During COVID, right there, he, uh, you know, um, they announced their divorce. And at that time, fans really started to turn on them because they started to feel like you lied to us. We just bought into like this podcast about you guys doing everything together and this conference that you were doing about how to make a marriage work and how many times you guys are having sex every month and da, 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 da. So... Reddit really started to go crazy. That's kind of like I joined the Reddit community at that time. I was so interested in this Hollis company. Um, And he started going on Instagram every single day and like coming off as like the good one in this divorce, the hurt one. And meanwhile, Rachel was getting canceled. Again, all of that is in the Patreon deep dive. Um, but basically then they interview, if you guys remember, if you were Dave Hollis followers, right around the divorce, he started working out a lot and he started working out with this guy, Brady. Now Brady McKay is a name I knew because working here in casting, I knew Brady as a manager. Okay, a talent manager. He lived here in Los Angeles. But during COVID, he and his wife, Lynn McKay, moved to Dripping Springs and they moved next door to Dave. And what we were seeing on his Instagram stories, and if you guys are Hollis fans in any way, you're going to want to know this um, or you're going to recognize these stories. But what he was seeing at these times What we were seeing was that he was bringing this guy, Brady, who was kind of like the underdog on Dave's Instagram. He was a little overweight. He never worked out. And he was like, Brady, we're going to get you in shape. So Brady would come over to his gym and they were doing this like challenges with Brady. Brady all of a sudden was getting all these followers. Like Brady became a story in Dave's Instagram and everyone was like, Brady. Yeah, Brady, Brady. And um, Lynn says he was just, this was after, The Hollis company was kind of falling apart. Lynn says he was just a puddle of sadness. Lynn is Brady's wife. Um, he missed his kids, his wife, his old life. And then it says on Instagram, Dave projected a single dad, taking it one day at a time. He talked about the goal getter challenge and how to break apart imperfection perfectionism. He introduced the Brady, Brady and Lynn McKay to his followers, telling them that he believed God had delivered the couple's arrival. She says, we were the guest stars, the neighbors. They joined him for workout sessions in the gym, often streamed for his followers. Athleisure brands shipped leggings to his house, requesting they be passed along for Lynn to wear on camera during their workouts. Lynn's husband got 10,000 new Instagram followers overnight, but Lynn was concerned. She said she often pictured, and by the way, we were all curious what happened to Brady and Lynn because they kind of disappeared from his Instagram after a while. She said she was concerned. She, She said she often pictured Dave at night, alone in his house and obsessively reading the comments left on posts, telling the followers to let go of what others thought about them. Listen to your own advice, she'd tell him. But by Valentine's Day 2021, he was in a new relationship with Heidi Powell and as it says, as soon as the announcement was posted, Heidi remembers him grabbing her phone to monitor all the comments. And Heidi thought to herself like, wow, these hate sites take over Dave's brain. Meaning Dave Hollis started to become addicted and obsessed with reading all of the hate posts and all of the hate comments about him, Reddit specifically. It says, "Um, Heidi said she had never heard of Reddit. I'd been busy my whole life, but Dave was obsessed. When Dave took her off-roading in The Incredible Hulk, he mounted a dash cam and uploaded the footage. Like, everything was filmed. She said, it was like the Truman Show. We felt pressure from the world because we let them in. Then there was a lot of other things that happened, but he went to rehab in early 2022. He then came back onto social media, of course. Um... And he started to, you know, post, post, post. And she said that while so much was happening, so many good things were happening, they wondered why they're smart and successful. And also, 47-year-old friend was bothering with Reddit bullies and $7,000 sponsored posts. He said, I want my cake and I want to eat it too. I want to protect my mental health and stay connected to a community that has been my side through everything, Dave Wrote in his return post. But then he started coming back and like doing this other thing. He was having he had spray tan teeth, uh, spray tan teeth, whitened teeth, spray tan body, and he started bodybuilding. So all of a sudden his body looked like completely different. Um, there was a bunch of like hate stuff out there online, lots of YouTube comments. Um, And he was really struggling with this because he didn't know how to explain to his kids who were Googling and finding all this negative stuff. He says, um, according to Heidi, Dave's son said, how do I tell them what a great dad you are? And Dave got in touch with Heidi. He says, I don't know what to do. I hate this part of my life. She said he could leave the spotlight and let them win, or he could continue to flood the internet with positive Dave Hollis content. There were even SEO experts she noticed that he could hire to help drown out the negativity. Dave's response, I am in on option two, meaning he was willing to flood the internet with the positive positive stuff. So he kept uploading positive things, but it didn't last long. It said a week later, he got so drunk he needed a ride home. And then before he headed inside, he committed to attending an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and church the next morning. Dave was alone at home, Heidi said, when he called her. She could tell something was wrong. His breathing was heavy, and he said he was ready to get help. And when he didn't show up for the AA meeting, a family friend went to check on it, him. And that was when he was found dead in bed. So the speakers at the memorial service came in and they spoke from just like amazing things, right? Schoolyard friends, colleagues from Disney talking about how amazing they were. But Lynn McKay, that's Brady's wife said, you know, she was listening to this like Instagram ready version of events. And she said she wanted to scream. She felt like no one was saying the real truth of what was happening. And then Dave Hollis's mother spoke and acknowledged that her son like so many, was complicated and he struggled. And Lynn felt a wave of relief because someone finally broke through this Instagram perfect filter and said he struggled. And then later the autopsy revealed that it was accidental overdose. He was found with toxic levels of cocaine, ethanol, ethanol, and fentanyl in his system, a combination that interacted lethally with an underlying natural disease of the heart. Now, she, Lynn, says that Dave sought the drugs as a treatment for the real problem, which was viral fame, because the death, the, his death was because of his obsession to live this perfect life and just be loved online. Now, this is the worst part about it. It says, months later, Sean Weehan, that's his childhood friend, describes Dave's drug drug use as the locked door that influencers never open to their followers. At the memorial service, he tried to piece together his own memories with snapshots from strangers who knew Dave from his online life, fragments he struggled to put into a fuller picture. Most troubling of all was how Dave, a man who'd surrounded himself with friends since childhood, who had nearly half a million followers at his command had died alone, and he was found with a phone on his chest. When I tell you I read that article, how could you not feel so sad reading an article like that, knowing that this man who had nothing but potential in this career, that he could have become one of the next huge Disney execs, felt so like powerless. And I'm not saying that there weren't already maybe like rumblings of things going on in his life. Maybe he was already struggling with his addictions. Maybe he already had some demons in the closet. But I do always think that you see this with reality stars. You see this with anyone that goes viral. It's very, very hard to maintain that level when you've hit it once, you're constantly trying to hit that dopamine, right? You're trying, you're constantly trying to get back to that feeling of euphoria that you feel that first time, right? And it never happens, which is why you're just going and going and going. And every time you hit something amazing, you'll never hit that again. Like it's always, it's like the it's like the race that never ends. And I think this happens with TikTok stars. I think this happens with YouTubers. I think this happens with Instagram celebrities. I think this happens with self-help gurus. Those, um, It is a tragic and sad story. And I know you guys were interested in it. So happy to leave you with such a happy, fun story on a Tuesday episode of Daily Dose of Donna. Anyway, I know a lot of you guys are interested in this. So make sure to go and watch um, listen to my Patreon episodes. The link is below in the show notes. If you want to really get the deep dive on Rachel Hollis, I was a huge follower since 2015. I met her a couple of times. I talk about that. I applied to work with her. I listened to her books. I DM'd with Dave Hollis and Heidi Powell multiple times. Lots of stories. Um, very, very, very sad. And Rachel Hollis, meanwhile, at this point, is going back to the beginning, back to the beginning roots where she's going back into doing a self-help podcast. She's going back on tour doing all kinds of like motivational speaking. And it's like nothing was learned, in my opinion. Those poor kids. Okay. You guys. Thank you so much for being here, subscribing, share this to any of your Dave and Rachel Hollis fans. I know a lot of you guys uh, were obsessed with this story and, um, you know, it's a good, it's a good story to read. So I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you again. See you tomorrow on daily dose of Donna. Bye guys.